Well, thank you, Stephen. That was excellent. That was excellent. Um, in your bulletin, it says the next thing is the art challenge, but nobody took the art challenge last week, <laughs> so we don't have one this week. Um, we do have a correction, though. We have, a, you know, confession is good for the soul, and uh, Chuck Schaefer said that he and his wife had, had the longest marriage here last week, and it was not true. It, and so he he turned his back. No, actually, the Maylies were here last week, and they received and they received the fudge stripes mini cookies. And uh, I understand there was a little scuffle in the parking lot, and uh, but I checked, and they're they're not open. I thought. Uh, because, you know, Chuck's good with all that glue stuff and, yeah, put it back in. So, no, seriously, uh, Chuck brought that back today and just said, hey, I know the Maylies are married longer. How many years? 61. Okay. You get the cookies. <laughs> so. Oh. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning. It's been enjoyable being here in your presence with uh, the, the time of fellowship and games and opportunities to hear uh, a testimony, Lord, of your faithfulness in Barb's life and, and uh, hear uh, Stephen share with the children here, Lord. You do have a plan, and that's an awesome plan, and thank you uh, that you have revealed that to us. And now I pray that you would speak to us through your word, strengthen us, Lord, um, empower us as you do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Every time that I preach on Romans chapter 8, my mind harkens back to a time I spent in Fort Collins, Colorado one summer, some 42 years ago. Hardly seems like it can be that long ago. Um, but I attended nightly meetings and I heard from this Bible teacher. Scott Gilchrist, um, who is just so passionate about the book of Romans. In fact, he's still a pastor today, and he actually tra- trains pastors around the world using the book of Romans. And uh, he's, uh, he's, uh, his love for it, I guess, was just contagious for me, and it's my favorite book of the Bible. Uh, when we got to chapter 8 back then, uh, he, he, he got up and he was almost teary-eyed and he said, you know, if the, Bi- if the Bible were a bride on her wedding day, the book of Romans would be her dress. Chapter 8 would be the ring that's newly placed on her finger and the latter part of chapter 8 would be the twinkle and the diamond on that ring. And we, that's it. We had the same response that you had, just a blank stare, like, oh. <laughs> but he was passionate about it. And, uh, and so, but after all these years, I'm starting to understand what he meant. There is just something revolutionary about this chapter. You know, there's a build-up to this chapter, the first seven chapters that precede it, Chapter 1, we understand that man is deprived and sinful. Chapter 2, that the law 
cannot save us. Chapter 3, none of us are righteous, right? Not even one, as Stephen reminded children this morning. It is not works, but faith in chapter 4. Chapter 5, the law cannot save us, but grace can. Chapter 6, what shall we say? Remember that big question? (laughs) Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? It's the sin versus grace. No, you've been baptized in Christ. You are baptized into his death and into his resurrection. Chapter 7, then, there is a problem, (laughs) Houston. Uh, Grace is great, but I'm stuck in in the flesh. And and the apostle uh, Paul is frustrated. The good that he wants to do, uh, he doesn't do. And the very thing he doesn't want to do, he keeps doing. And he ends with that great um, uh, crescendo of sorts by saying, it is through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so now the Apostle Paul, after almost lawyer-like pacing the floor in a, in a courtroom, revealing to us uh, questions that are on our hearts, on our minds, on the minds of those who would be reading his letter, uh, just a few questions that pop to mind. And one is, should we continue in sin that grace may abound? Should we sin? His answer to that is meganointo, may it never be. And... Um, and he's saying, that is not you. You died to sin. Why are we even talking about, should I continue in sin? You're dead to sin. Should we be slaves to sin? That's not you either. You're not a slave to sin. You are a slave to righteousness. Should we rely on accomplishing every single letter of the law? <laughs> no, that's not you. In fact, even if it's you, it's impossible. And it leads to the conclusion that it is Christ alone. Christ, Jesus, is our Savior. He alone accomplished the fulfillment of the law. It's not going to happen through us. It's going to happen through Christ. And so now in chapter 8, he tells us who we really are and how to begin to live that life out. And so... Uh, it's not going to be in our strength, but it's going to be in the power of the Holy Spirit who resides in us as believers. And so this morning, I would, I would like to remind everyone listening to this sermon, whether you're here in person or somebody perhaps who is listening online, God has you hearing this for a reason. To stop living a life of mediocrity. God did not design us for mediocrity, but for victory. You think about it, um, Psalm 139 says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Why is that? God has a purpose for us. We have value. We understand that from John 3.16. For God so loved the world, right? that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever places their faith in Him will have eternal life. And so our lives have value. So we acknowledge that God designed us fearfully and wonderfully, that He's given us value through the death of His Son. And so... Uh, well, by the time we get to chapter 8, the Apostle Paul is saying to us, start living out God's purpose now. 
don't get stuck in chapter 7. What do you think of when you think of chapter 7? And I'm not talking about Romans chapter 7, just when you hear those two words, chapter 7. Bankruptcy, right? And I love the fact that Romans chapter 7 is almost a declaration, we're spiritually bankrupt. We don't bring anything to the table. We don't have anything to offer. In fact, we're in a huge debt that we can't get out of. And so we were bankrupt, but we had one who stepped in, who redeemed us and paid a price for us. And now we have been lavished upon every spiritual gift imaginable in Christ Jesus. What a great exchange, huh? He he takes our sin debt and gives us all the riches in Jesus Christ. Men and women of God, start living like you're one of God's children. And so I think we need to understand this. Christians must awaken to the fact that we are new creations and we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Fearfully, wonderfully made, great value given to us. And so, men and women, we need to start doing what we were designed to do. We could start off this chapter, if you don't mind, I was going to ask you to uh, say the first verse with me in chapter 8, because it's such a wonderful verse. I'll, I'll do a 3, 2, 1, and let's read it together. 3, 2, 1. Therefore... There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What do you think? That was, that was actually pretty good. <clears throat> now let's say it like we mean it. <laughs> Three, two, one. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. You're a good group. Um, I want to talk this morning how we can live the victorious Life, how we can be victorious in this life. And that first verse that you read is uh, the first good indicator of how we can do this. We are no longer condemned. We are no longer condemned. Romans chapter 3 reminded us that we are all in the same boat. There is none righteous, not even one, right? None of us are righteous. So no one, and I'm again, I'm glad that Stephen brought that out this morning, that there's no one in this room, exempt. No one on this earth that's exempt. We are all, all guilty. And so I don't know about you. If I'm guilty of something, I want to know what that penalty is. <laughs> like how, how serious is this uh, law that I broke? Well, Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, the wages of sin is death. There's a beautiful second part of that verse, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. But when you think of the of the penalty, that's a tough penalty. We are condemned to death. That is our penalty. And it is eternal. A life of eternal death and damnation. Does that sound bad? It should. <laughs> At one time, prior to Christ, each one of us, we were helpless. We were hopeless. We were lost in sin. We were under the law, a law that was impossible. The standards of that law were impossible to perform. But now, 
Now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, and we should no longer be under that shroud of fear. (laughs) You know, I was raised um, in complete fear of God and complete fear of His damnation. I didn't, I didn't know the good news, but I heard a lot about God being up there and just going to punish you if you do the wrong thing. And so I grew up, nothing wrong with, with growing up with a fear of God, but if you only hear about the fear of God and you never hear about the love of God and the redemption of our Lord Jesus Christ, you're stuck in this, in this trap um, and this frustration. And I think there probably are many people here today who grew up under the religion of fear in the absence of God's love. Verse 2 points out two interesting laws that, uh, and then compares them. Now these are different than the law. These, these are called laws, but there's, they are spiritual truths. There's a cause and effect for each one of them. And they are found in uh, Romans chapter 8 verse 2. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life, that's one law, set me free from this other law, this law of sin and death. And so let's take the latter first. You have two laws here. You have the law of sin and death, and you could actually read that the law that, the law of sin that leads to death. But the law of sin and death leads to condemnation. So you have this spiritual truth. You mess with sin. You mess with death. You, you are condemned. You break the law. You die. No questions. No comments. That's, it's, it's, it is what it is. Personally, I don't like this law. It hurts. And if I follow this law, I'm going to die and I'm going to be eternally punished in a place of suffering. You compare that to the first law stated there, which is the law of the spirit of life. The law of the spirit of life equals freedom and new life. Because we see in Romans chapter 8, verse 2, it says, the law of the spirit of life sets me free. So this is a freeing law. This this is a freedom law. (laughs) And so which law... Or which principle do you wish to live by? How many want to live by the law of the spirit of life? Raise your hand. (laughs) Okay. Looks like a majority here. I don't think anybody really wants to live a law of the, of, of sin and death and that leads to condemnation. If you pick that latter one, which is actually the first one stated in Romans chapter 8 verse 2, you already have that as a believer. I encourage you, let that law, that principle take effect in your life. The law of the spirit of the living God. Don't go back to sin. You're not controlled by the law of sin and death. Maybe you thought somehow that you had to live this perfect life. This is... This should be great news to that person who thinks that they have to muster up enough strength to fulfill all of the law themselves. And I might add, there's a big difference walking around knowing that you are no longer condemned than walking around knowing that there is now no condemnation, nor can there ever be any condemnation 
of you in the future. It's a whole different attitude that you walk around in life with. You can never be tried and condemned for your sins. Jesus gave his all. Jesus paid it all. End of discussion. Secondly, we can live victorious lives because we have Jesus in us and he is omnipotent. What does that mean? He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. Jesus had and has the power to give you victory over and over and over again. Prior to Jesus, we had to live up to the, to the law under the old covenant. And that old, that, uh, that law could never do anything to help us. It was, it was powerless, scripture says. Uh, I compared that law to a couple different things. I, I compared it to a thermometer. You know, if you have a temperature, you have a fever, you put that thermometer in, you get a high fever. That thermometer just tells you how sick you are, how high your fever is. It doesn't do anything to reduce your, your temperature. It doesn't. You can put five in your mouth. It's not gonna, nothing's gonna help. That, that thermometer is no help. Same with the bathroom scale. I used that a few weeks ago. If you're overweight, you get on the bathroom scale, you can be really angry at that bathroom scale. You can throw it out the window, you can go buy a new one, but it, but it doesn't help. That scale will never cause you to lose weight. It'll, I mean, unless you get up and down it like maybe a hundred times or something. Maybe you'll lose a calorie or something. But it's just a measuring device. And that's what the law is. The law shows us how off we are. It shows us how bad we are, but it is absolutely powerless and doing anything to help us in the future. Verse 3 of Romans chapter 8. For what the law was what? Powerless to do, in that it is weakened by sinful nature. You can have a lot of laws. You can keep making laws. You can, even on, uh, today, they can just keep producing, producing, producing laws. What will you have? Just more violators of the law because of the sinful nature. God by sending his son, Jesus, in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And get this. So he condemned sin in sinful man. So listen to this. Instead of us being condemned, what's condemned? Sin is condemned and we live. That's, a, that's an awesome exchange. And how did Jesus do this? Did Jesus go to God the Father and say, hey, can you look the other way for a little while? No, he didn't do that. He didn't go say, hey, Dad, i got some friends here. Can you let them off the hook? No. God is perfect. God is just. He's a just God. So instead, Jesus took our place. And he fulfilled the law to a T because he is perfect. And let me complete uh, verse 4, or, the, or be, let's go to verse 4, the first part of verse 4. In order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us. So Jesus did this so that the, that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us. Christians are not exempt from the requirements for redemption. It's just that we have them met. In Christ. Because Jesus is powerful and he's effective, 
he was able to hand us the victory. And so we are exempt from condemnation and we have the fulfillment of the law through our all-powerful Jesus. So just pause and think about that for a moment. That powerful and perfect Jesus lives in us. We have the, the resurrected power of Christ. We have the Lord Jesus living out his life through us. And we just have to rest and let him do what he does best. And that is conquer and cause victory. Finally, we have victorious lives because we have the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit. He didn't leave us as orphans. When he rose from the dead, he took his place at the right hand of the, the Father. And he, again, he didn't leave us alone. John chapter 14, 15 through 19, this was a promise of Jesus. If you love me, you will obey my command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. That's the Holy Spirit. But the world... The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you before long. The world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. You see, Jesus set us on a new course, victorious course, because he would empower us by God the Holy Spirit. It was his plan all along. So listen to this carefully. There's a, there's a contrast now between believers and unbelievers. And we, you, you begin to hear that in 4 and 5, and you'll hear it uh, in 6 through 8 also. But the latter part of verse 4 says, We who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live according, in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. You see, we have a whole different attitude, a whole different direction because of the Holy Spirit. You may wonder why uh, there's a longing inside of you to do what's right. That's the Holy Spirit in you. And he's constantly uh, revealing to us. If you just if you just let the Holy Spirit do what he does best, he just brings things to mind. It's that whispering in your ear constantly. Don't do that. Don't say that. Pause. <laughs> he's also telling us to do things. Now's the time to now's the time to talk. He he reminds us to share the gospel. How to share the gospel? He gives us the the right words at the right time. And he's there constantly. That's why you have that. You're like, well, I don't know what that was, but I really felt like I should bring these cookies over to my neighbors. I, I, I don't know what it was that I should go over and help this other fellow. And then while I was there, I just felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit to share this or to share that. That's the Holy Spirit in you. Now, this is to- that's totally different than a sinful man, a, a, a person who is... is is not a, has not accepted Christ or the, or the fact that Jesus died on the cross for their sins. He has the mind of Satan, actually, when you think about it. Look at these verses. This is 6 through 8. The mind of the sinful man is what? Death. But the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. What a difference. 
Do you have the spirit of life and peace or do you have the spirit of death? The sinful mind is hostile to God. Let me pause there for a moment and just say this. Some people think, well, they're just kind of indifferent. I don't, I don't know if there's a God or not. I don't, I don't really care. You know, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to live my life. You know, to God, an individual like that, they're hot, that's being hostile to God. There is no indifference with God. <laughs> he's, he's not like, well, okay, well, that guy doesn't really care. No. The sinful mind is actually at war with God. It's hostile to God. It, and understand this. It does not submit to God's law. Look at that latter part, this last phrase. Nor can it do so. And verse 8 reinforces that. Those controlled by the sinful nature, what? Can not please God. It doesn't say they don't please God. It says they can't. They cannot please God. You see, you and I are victorious because we've been given a new conscience. When I, when I read this, it actually serves as a reminder of the people that I bump in to every day. They need Jesus. <laughs> they, just like us, are stuck, just like we used to be stuck. And there is nothing that they can do to please God. There was nothing that we could do to please God. And so just as we were lost, they are lost. Uh, just a few months ago, back in October, Linda and I took a little vacation. And you come back from vacation. Don't you always feel like when you come back from vacation, you, you could use a little vacation <laughs> to, to, to just to get back in order. And so I was, was doing unpacking the suitcase. And then I was just, I just can't wait to sit down and just, you know, it was tired of 12 hours of driving and all this stuff. So I was just like, my phone rings. And it's a, it's a, a woman who is stressed, um, who uh, I serve as a chaplain uh, to. And she, she just said, Dan, I have, n- I have no reason to live. My son, two years ago, was killed in an automobile accident. My husband blamed and blamed and blamed me because I loaned him the car that day. And now he left me. My, my, my husband left me this spring. And so she's sitting in a, in a uh, trailer and uh, all alone. She moved out. He didn't want her anymore. He's got somebody else now. And she's f- feeling pretty pathetic about herself And she said, I lost my son, I lost my husband, everyone at work hates me. Well, I had the privilege of leading her to Christ over the phone. But the the real thing that impacted her after she accepted Christ, I said, Karen, no matter what, Jesus is always with you. He will always love you. You know, the gospel for her, it transformed her. Because I would go and I'd visit. This is a woman that always had her head done and just wouldn't hardly ever look up. And now she just smiles. Uh, she reads the daily bread and she is always sharing something special. And her, she has a, a sister, a former sister-in-law who's been trying to share Christ with her now who stays connected with This woman is just completely different. And on Friday I go to the, her place of work. And she goes over to this new girl, puts her arm around her, brings her over to me and says, you got to talk to him. <laughs> and you can talk to him about anything. And um, I, I might draw a line somewhere. But it's not the messenger 
right? It is the message that we carry. It is Jesus that we bring everywhere we go. It's it's a, a difference in each one of us because of Christ in us. You see the difference that it made in Barb's life as she shared her testimony today, beautiful testimony. You see, we are victorious because we have been drastically changed. We, we are transformed and being transformed continually. So when the Christian sins, we're really not acting ourselves. That's not the true new creation that's underneath. And so I want to ask you, are you ready to start doing what you were meant to do? Christians have to wake up. We're new creations. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit. You have God, the, the Holy Spirit, inside of you. You're, you're no longer condemned and never will be. You don't have to impress God the Father. Jesus already did that and does it continually. He fulfilled the law. And so just in closing, I, I leave you with these three application points. First of all, if you haven't done it recently, thank God that you're no longer condemned. That is, and this is, an, this is eternally. This is a, you know, this, is, this life is here and gone. But, but eternity, forever and ever, you're no longer condemned. Secondly, admit it. Acknowledge that you're weak and that you are needy. You have the living Christ in you, and he is all-powerful. You simply may wish to acknowledge that you've been trying to live out the Christian life on your own, and it's not working. And then thank the Holy Spirit for living in you. Thank God the Holy Spirit for living in you. Receive the Holy Spirit just Lord, just fill me afresh with your spirit. I've been trying to live this life on my own. Just reveal that to the Lord, and he will fill you afresh. Amen? Amen. Father, I thank you for your word. I pray that this is just the beginning, Lord, of Romans chapter 8, that just the revelation of what you're your spirit will do in us. And we're so excited to hear more and more. But Lord, even today, we thank you that you've given us a different mindset, a different attitude, and we want to act out who we really are, not that old self that we used to be. And we can only do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, have your way in each of our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.